Hello everyone and welcome again to Hidden Truth. And today we have Bob Brown who is going to speak about what's going on in the financial system. There's a lot of stress happening in that area. Hi Brian, how are you doing today? I'm doing as well as can be expected. So the silent deposit runs on the small and mid-sized bags appear to have subsided. Can you give us a little bit of your feedback, your insight on what's happening right now? Yeah, so <clears throat> The real issue here is that both the Fed chair, Chairman Powell, and the Treasury Secretary, that's Yellen, they view the banking issues both here in America and in Europe, and we're talking about Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, and then the issues at First Republic, and then what happened in Europe, Credit Suisse, and then Deutsche Bank. And they're treating, the Treasury Secretary and the Fed chair are treating these as one-off events, as if they're just going to go away. And um, in effect, though, they are symptomatic of really large stresses in the world's financial system. So I'm going to start here by going to the dictionary and defining a word that I like to use called obtuse. And the dictionary defines obtuse, quote, annoyingly insensitive, or slow to understand. I can't think of a better term to fit the Fed the chairman and the Treasury Secretary. They are obtuse when it comes to the issues in the banking system and how they occurred. So I have a chart that shows the decline in the value of the regional bank index. And that's through a midday today, which is March 30th. A week ago, Wednesday, on March 22nd, the Fed raised interest rates 25 basis points. I think everybody knows that. And they raised that despite the liquidity issues in the banking system and the apparent loss of confidence in that system by a significant portion of the public. During this press conference, Fed Chair Powell acknowledged that some FOMC members, those are the, the committee that makes the decisions on interest rate, had, uh, had concerns about the banking issues. And because of that, they had considered what is called a pause in raising interest rates. A pause would mean that they didn't raise interest rates at a meeting. But they all concluded that a rate hike was justified somehow due to the strength of recent economic activity, for which I don't think Powell really knows, but that's what he said, and higher than expected inflation data. Uh, and then he also said also because the deposit flows had stabilized, which wasn't true either. There was simply no acknowledgement from him that the stresses in the system were continuing. The fact that the, the Fed had actually discussed pausing actually caused the equity market to initially rally. When he said that, when he was talking in his press conference, we see that the stock market actually rallied. And I have a chart there to show that. While he was still speaking, however, Treasury Secretary Yellen was giving her testimony to a congressional committee. And she undid it all 
by telling the lawmakers that the Treasury was not considering a broad increase in the deposit insurance base. I will translate that. We will cover that this is what the Treasury Secretary actually said, translated. We're going to cover 100% of deposits at big banks. Good luck to your smaller banks. That's what she said. And the chart actually shows the equity reactions. First to the less hawkish Powell, and you can see that the green line moved upwards. That was the stock prices rising when he said that. And then you can see the red line go straight down when the when Secretary Yellen dissed the small banks. Yeah, yeah. The next day, which was March 23rd, a week ago, Yellen qualified her statement by saying that 100% of the deposits would be covered if the bank was systemically important, which means a big bank. And that still means that she's not going to cover deposits in smaller banks to 100% if they should fail. And as a result of that, the silent run on small bank deposits continued for several more days. I have charts here that show how much banks borrowed during this period of time. Approximately $350 billion from the Fed over the past two weeks. On the left side of the chart, it, uh, it shows uh, borrowings rising from about $20 billion to $350 billion. And on the right side of the chart, it shows the Fed's balance sheet. Notice how it just took off, exploded, rising from $8.39 trillion to $8.74 trillion, which is about $350 billion. Oh, you know, that's how much the banks borrow. So at its March meeting, the Fed produced another dot plot. Can you discuss what that means exactly, Bob? Yes. So the dot plot is produced quarterly. And the dot plot is the forward interest rate opinions of the FOMC members. And in this case, there was 18 of them. Despite the banking woes and the mounting evidence of a rapidly slowing economy, in the dot plot, there was only one dot, that's only one member, that showed, that thought the interest rates would be below 5% at the end of the year. Ten dots out of the 18 thought interest rates would be above 5% at 5.1%. And then the other seven all thought interest rates at the end of this year would be even higher than that. Wow. None of those people can see what's happening. Maybe this is just posturing for the public. Maybe it's just posturing to tell the public that the Fed is really fighting inflation because they think they're going to raise interest rates even more. But it doesn't comport with the market's view of what's going to happen. So the chart I have here shows two periods of market views. The blue lines, the blue bars are for March 1st, and then the orange bars are for March 24th. So on March 1st, 
the blue bars show what the market thought interest rates were going to be. And notice that is pretty similar to what I just described as the dot plots. That we have about a 5% rate, and by the end of the year, still above 5%. That's the blue lines. And that's what the market thought, because that's what the Fed was telling them. Right. But, but as soon as the, uh, you can see from the orange bars that the markets now have a very different view of what's going to happen to interest rates. And it's very different than the view of the Fed. Now, the Fed controls interest rates. The market still believes that the Fed is going to pause in May, that is, they will raise rates again, and then pivot in June, which means they will begin to lower rates. You can see from the orange bars that they lower rates every time they meet all the way to the end of the year. We're going to have, according to the market, by the end of the year, interest rates are going to be below four, whereas now they're above five. It's hard to know who to believe here, right? Yes. And those who are viewing this, I would ask them the question, which one do you believe? And the markets usually are... Yeah. Almost 100% of the time, correct. Why did the problems in the banking system appear so suddenly? And why didn't the Fed and the other regulators see them coming? That's one thing I don't understand. Since the runs on the banks seem to have stopped, have the banking issues now gone away? No, they haven't. The Fed and the Treasury do not appear to see their own role in the banking crisis. They don't see that they caused, okay. There are several issues here. First is the issue of potential insolvencies at some banks. This isn't all banks, and it's only likely a minority of banks, but still it's very concerning. I have a chart here that shows the gains and losses in bank bond portfolios. And you'll see on the right-hand side, the large losses are related to the interest rate increases since March of 2022. The Fed did cause this banking because they raised interest rates so fast. Mm -hmm. Now, in banks, there are accounting rules. And the losses on these portfolios, according to the accounting rules, don't have to be recognized unless the bonds are sold. Okay. In the case of the Silicon Valley Bank, the loan, the bonds had to be sold in order to move the deposits out, and they had to get cash. They had to sell the bonds because they couldn't borrow enough money, okay? And so when they sold the bonds, as soon as they sell the bonds, they have to realize the losses on their books, and, and the losses on their, their bonds ate up all of their capital and they became insolvent. Yeah. What did the Fed do to, to stop all of this from occurring at other banks? By doing this, they protected the bank's capital. As an emergency measure, the Fed established the bank term funding program. They have initials for everything, BTFP. And this allows the banks to borrow using their bond collateral at face value rather than at its market's value. So if the bond is worth 50% or 70% of its face value, 
the Fed will lend it 100% of the face value. So in this way, the banks could get more cash through their bonds than they were worth. And they don't have to sell them and take the write down on their balance sheet and income statements. It, so in effect, the banks could get liquidity without the, the problems that Silicon Valley Bank faced. So that seemed to, to have stopped, cleared up, or at least gave, gave the banks liquidity to, uh, to withstand the silent runs that were occurring there. Um, but it is really clear that the bank's capital, real capital, is much lower than their accounting statements show. Yeah, that's for sure. Moving forward, what do you see as the future of small banks in the United States? Now, they, because of the, uh, the Fed's emergency BTFP program, the small banks have a short-term lifeline, okay? So they're not going to just go away and fail. But the long-term issues, in my view, say that the small bank's survival is going to be tough. And the survival of these banks appears not to be in, in view of the Fed because they continued to raise rates at their last meeting, despite the fact that the banks were having these wrongs. And the Treasury, at the same time, is saying, hey, we're going to cover 100% of the deposits at the large banks, but not for you small banks. That's insane. All they had to do, they just had to do one thing to stop the runs, and that was to say, we're covering for some period of time, two months, three months, we're covering all deposits at all banks. And that would have stopped the runs completely because the public would then have confidence that their deposits were protected. Right. Uh, the big banks are going to survive and prosper because they are now the recipients of all of the money that's flowing out of the little banks because the little banks don't have 100% deposit insurance, and the big banks do. The big banks are now getting all that free money, low-cost money, no-cost money, and they're getting it. They're going to survive. In fact, they now have money that they can invest in a treasury bill at over 4% and have a big spread. Yeah. The small banks have had to borrow huge sums of money at near 5% interest rate, that's the Fed funds raise. And they've had to pledge their portfolio of bonds um, that are likely yielding less than 3%. That kills their profit margins right there. As those bonds had been financed with the low-cost deposits that ran out of the small banks and into the big banks. So the small banks now have to finance their bond purchases or their bond portfolios, which yield less than 3% at a 5% cost. That's, a, that's anybody can do that math and say, I wouldn't do that. That loses me money. Okay. And the liquidity situation at these small banks is going to cause them not to lend. Okay. So. They need, so they need an influx of new deposits. They're not going to get that for 
quite a considerable period of time until the public forgets about what just happened, and that might take years. Small banks have always been the primary lenders to small businesses in their local communities. Big banks don't lend to small businesses, generally it's the small banks. And so today's situation in the small banks has serious negative implications for economic growth in the economy. In addition, the small and mid-sized banks hold a huge 58% of the commercial real estate loans in the country. You know, the office buildings in your town are financed usually by small banks. In, in the past few weeks, there's been a couple of big office complexes in New York City and Los Angeles that have gone into foreclosure. And in the REIT world of stocks and bonds, the REITs, these are the real estate investment trusts. Their stock prices over the last few weeks have plummeted. So the market thinks that, that we're going to see a lot of foreclosures here. Okay. And why is that? Well, work from home, that trend isn't going away anytime soon. And this implies that there isn't as much need for office space. And so the office buildings are simply not being occupied. Now, because small banks have a huge amount of this commercial real estate on their loan books, they're going to see their earnings fall and going to have serious issues with their loan loss provisions if some of these commercial loans at all. It's not going to help the small businesses and it's not going to help commercial real estate for sure. Any final thoughts on all of this, Bob? Anything positive? Hard to be positive when you have the government working against everything. Inflation is already falling. That's positive. Layoff announcements, however, continue at major companies. So what we saw in the tech industry in the last month or so, huge layoffs at places like Amazon and and those and at Zuckerberg's firm. And how we've seen layoffs in other industries, the latest is in the consulting firms, that's Accenture, McKinsey, KMPG, Accenture announced a 19,000 layoff, McKinsey a 2,000. Young said thousands were going to be laid off there. So we were going to see the unemployment rate rise as these layoffs actually occur. So when a company, a big company lays at the layoff, I think of more than 50, there's a law that says they have to give a 60-day notice. So the 60-day notices that were given in December and January are just about to impact the unemployment rate because they have to give them 60-days notice before they can actually separate them. Mm-hmm. And so these new layoff announcements here in the end of March won't occur until June. We'll see. 
throughout the rest of the year, we're going to see higher unemployment. The Fed's own regional surveys, each of their Federal Reserve Banks does a survey in their area, and each of those surveys point to economic slowing. Orders and backlogs are, have fallen orders for almost a year now. Prices have been weakening, which is, again, inflation is falling. And the indexes that these Federal Reserve Banks produce are all in contraction territory and have been there for several months. Yet, into the storm of all of this data that's coming to them from their own regional banks and into the chaos in the banking system, both here and abroad, clearly caused by the sky-high interest rates that the Fed has produced. So in the face of all that, what did the Fed do at its last meeting? It raised rates even higher. The best way to stem the tide of deposit runs at small banks is, as I said before, to temporarily insure all deposits. That's all Yellen would have had to say, and the runs would have stopped. But no, what does the Secretary of the Treasury say? Our big banks' deposits are 100% guaranteed. Best of luck to you little guys. And that's why we have the runs. So I will conclude by using the word obtuse again. This is the best descriptor with regard to Powell and Yellen's understanding of how the financial system actually works. Should be probably the biggest of our concerns right here. What was a great picture of everything that's going on, very helpful to understand the dynamics between the government, the big banks, and the small banks, and hopefully it will not impact small businesses too much. We did not need this. No, we didn't, and I'm afraid that we're just at the beginning. Now, when something breaks in the financial system, it's never a one-or. As they say, there's always more than one cockroach. And we saw that back in 07, okay, we had a, a company file bankruptcy who was in the subprime business. Oh, and I think it was mid or late 07, and everybody thought it was a one-off. And then, of course, in the middle of 08, Bear Stearns failed. That was all part of the same issue. And so we, we have this beginning again. There's never more than, there's always more than one cockroach. It's never one off. So we're going to see more, more come out of all this. Yeah. All right. We need to think positive and keep working hard at what you do. Yeah. We do. That's important. Despite all this negative happening. Yeah. Thank you so much. Matt. Great insight as usual. For everyone, please visit Hidden Truths that today we post our videos and podcasts and blogs there. And remember to subscribe to the channel. And thank you again for watching and see you next time.